Hello, Hello and, and welcome, welcome to, to Drum Mythology. I'm your co-host, Chris Hansiker. I'm your co-host, Christian Madonna. Today, we are once again joined by Gnarls from TikTok. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Going it's good. great. Yeah, so if you weren't listening last episode, um, I'm on TikTok. I do this series called Modern Mythologies, where I talk about the modern stories like anime, video games, movies, and how they're inspired by the classic myths of yesteryear. Um, lots of stuff from all around the world. So if you want to check out some anime, some video games, some TV, come check me out on TikTok. But I'll probably pop up if you just type Gnarls. I'm the bald white guy. <laughs> awesome. Thank when you, so you search Gnarls, it's, 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 you'll, you'll tell. <laughs> <laughs> Very You'll either true. get me or Gnarls Barkley. It's going to be one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> one is myth. One is music. One of them always lies. One of them tells the truth. Yeah. So <laughs> we're both lying. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the truth. <laughs> that's myths, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that the first time I came across that story, I think it was in Yu-Gi-Oh. It was like a double duel. Oh, it was um, the Dueling Brothers uh, yeah. Paradox. It was yeah, Paradox. That, yeah. was that was the first time I saw that story. And then uh, Samurai Jack riffed on it. That was a really good one, uh, too. But so just good. to hear Yami like, you're both lying. It was just like, oh, my God. It's little teenage me. Oh, that is the revelation. Yeah. Uh, I was just excited to see the Gate Guardian. I was like, whoa, it's so strong. <laughs> For me, it was definitely um, Labyrinth with the two doors. Oh. Yeah. Today we are we are lying about um, Mayrun's Dagon, who is a Elder Scrolls villain um, in a lot of games, really. He's like in every game, to be honest. Um, but we're all big. Guy. Yeah, we're all big Elder Scrolls fans. Um, Christian has played several of the games, as has Gnarls. I have watched several of the games, and I have started playing Elder Scrolls Online. So, but huge Elder Scrolls fans, huge fans of the mythology and lore of the games. This little fake made up stories based on fake made up stories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, today we're jumping in to talk about one of our favorite. Uh, Dejic Princes and Elder Scrolls, you know, there's they are like the powerful, almost like demon gods. I'd They're like say. a pantheon of, of... They're mostly evil, but sometimes yeah. benevolent. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Sometimes they're <laughs> neutral, sometimes they're good. A couple of Chaotic them. Chaotic yeah. good at best, I'd say. Chaotic, that Chaotic is a perfect good. descriptor. Absolutely. If you're going the D&D route. They, they go from chaotic good to chaotic evil, but just all on the chaotic spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes lawful evil. <laughs> I, I think my runes Dagon kind of bounces between the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll get into it, but I'd say just based on who he is, there's a lot of chaos in there, so it's pretty chaotic. You know, but jumping in, he like he wants to change laws. Mm-hmm. So Maroon's Dagon is the prince of what I call like Dakar. And he's the destruction, ambition, change, energy, and revolution. So like all of these features to me is chaos. This is that's hundred percent. Yeah. That's chaos energy. That's uh, that's the chaos emeralds. He's working with Robotnik. Um, and he is all over the games, like Krista said. So among the Daedric princes, he's one of the most powerful, spends a lot of time uh, trying to invade, basically. He's kind of, I, I, is he straight up evil? 
I think he is. He feels pretty evil. I mean, he's got he's got a cult. He's got weapons. He's generally destroying things. I don't think there's anything neutral or good about him. He just he's ready to mess up the whole world. He he took that David Bowie song to everything. Turn turn. No wait, no changes. <laughs> <laughs> different. Sorry, oh, okay, different okay. Song. I see where you're going. Changes. Turn and face the strange. Yeah. Very literally. Yeah. Also to yeah. everything. Turn turn turn. I mean, that one almost seems like order. For that one's like every season there's a reason. Um, <laughs> but for him it's like ch changes. Yeah. And it kind of with the way he acts, he also looks, he looks like a big Satan. He's yep. of all the Daedra, this guy, he look he's big, he's red, he's just this giant with four arms and horns. He looks like uh Trigon. He looks like Raven's dad, Trigon from Teen Titans. <laughs> and um, Prince Goro with his four arms. He yep. looks like a a baby of theirs, but you know, fully grown and angry. He's evil. Yes. He he looks like a big old Satan. That's <laughs> and he got, he acts like one too, really. He really does. And uh so Maroon's Dagon has a lot in common. And you know, as we were diving into his background and everything he's done, he's got a lot in common with Satan, really. I and mean, you know, don't know how to call anyone else out except maybe Dagon with his etymology. But especially the Satan from John Milton's Paradise Lost is what I was thinking was uh, he's this prince of destruction and ambition and change and revolution. And it's like Satan and Lucifer, this fallen angel, leading a rebellion against God. Makes pacts with mortals. Yep. Always looking to make a deal. That, that Mephistopheles angle right there. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very much. A very, very Faustian. Very, if you want to make a deal with the devil... Call up Marin's Dagon. He's super ready to bargain. Um, as are all. You, you give him access to the to the mortal plane. He's there. He'll give you whatever you want. I, I like that he's a god. That he's a Daedric prince who you know his angle. Like some of them, like the Prince of Lies or like the Prince of Trickery or whatever. You're like, I don't know what their actual angle is. Dagon's just like, just give me the time and place to invade Mundus, and I'm there. Like. <laughs> It's true. Not like, bouncing oh, around like Clavicus Vile. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he up to? And you're like, you're trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure it out. Remember to say, God, you know, he's invading. He wants to take over. He's going to mess up life and you can hope that you're on his good side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that is kind of the, the part of it is like, hopefully your deal holds and you're not in his way because... He is violent change and revolution, and he would definitely step on you with his big old red giant feet. Or I was going to say arms. ambition. <laughs> it was oh, big it old red ambition. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a big red ambition. ambition. Big floppy yeah. ambition. <laughs> and he's ready to use it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have an axe and like a razor arm. You know, he's, he's got he's got the weapons and tools of change on him. Um, the number of times that dagger has saved me, though. Oh, the Maroon's Razor? <laughs> you quick save, you equip that dagger, and you just swing like crazy and hope. You just send them to oblivion. <laughs> Instant death. One. It's like the preview uh, Shadow Realm, like, to oblivion with you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Like the, I've sent him to the Shadow Realm, oblivion. Bakura, uh, no. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh references or were you going to make it an Elder Scrolls episode? So many because um, <laughs> so many. 
Uh, it's been Rune's day gone. Um, Zark or Zork? What's the uh, Bakora's best friend? <laughs> Zork and friends? Yeah, that's yeah. Zork. <laughs> I don't know. I think Zork's more of a Moloch ball. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Vimur Sagan might be more like um, Obelisk the Tormentor, right? <laughs> <laughs> that that fits him. He's a big Torment guy. Back to Dagon. Back to Dagon. <laughs> now we're talking about, you know, Dagon uh, Lovecraftian. His realm was the sea, the deep, all of that. Uh, but for Mevrun's Dagon, his uh, plane of oblivion is exactly what you would think it is. It looks like hell. It's yep. straight up whatever sort of hell you picture from Dante's Inferno or from wherever else. Uh, the Deadlands are absolutely representing destruction, change, and it's a chaotic place. It's always storming. There's always fire. The ground is made of molten rock surrounded by lava, earthquakes, all of that. It's hell. It's just this fiery hellscape um, that you see again and again if you're playing Oblivion. But the whole part of it is absolutely uh, destruction, change, and energy. This is his manifestation of it, is um, this constantly changing world that's always destroying itself and always becoming something new. And even the ambition part in there is represented with the giant spiked towers Dagon has. It's definitely compensation. <laughs> absolutely. He, nobody has so many towers if they <laughs> Why are they barbed? Why are they spiked? Yeah, why are they all? Why is why are they also spiky? In these lands, of course, it's also like all sorts of Daedra, um, pretty much the whole gamut of scamps, Dramora, Daedroths, your elemental Atronax, uh, Zivili, all these different Daedra. Um, with Dagon as their master, and you'll see some of these Daedra in other planes of Oblivion, but. I feel like he's just got like all of them and here's his army. It's pretty, pretty plain and simple. He's master. They are army. Everyone wants to get to Mundus. He's their best shot. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are down to follow him into this. Um, and also they're down to torture anyone, any poor soul who enters the Deadlands, uh, his realm. Um, and they're always ready to like, Oh, open the gates. We're in, we're out. <laughs> Uh, so from there, uh, one of the things we found in our research, we pulled up uh, where Merun's Dagon came from. We were talking about earlier where some of the Daedric princes, like what were their origins, and there were multiple origins that came up. But the one we, the one I subscribe to, is the one represented in uh, Mankar Cameron's Mythic Dawn commentaries. So from uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Inside there, in just in the lore books, but these books were part of the main quest and all that, there's just two paragraphs that literally say it in such a cryptic way of where he came from. And um, I would go, you know, if you're interested in more Dagon, I would definitely go and look it up. I'm not going to read them for you. But in there, basically, you find out that Mundus, the whole... The whole world... The whole world, yeah. Mundus like the material is the, plane, right? The material yeah. plane that is, is a good, a good word way for to, it. That's the way to put it. Because yeah. Nern is like the world. Nern is just like the planet that yeah. you're on, but like Mundus. other planets, the whole material mortal plane, Mundus, um, was ruled by a race of tyrannical drag kings. Uh, and you run into dregs in the different games, and they are just these sort of like bestial crab people. Oh, yeah. 
They've got like spiky um, dagger hands, and they have too many legs. The crawdads. Yeah, they the are crawdaddies. They're sounding like a also a similar enemy enemy in Elden Ring. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, um, same inspiration. Uh, but all of Mundus was ruled by drag kings, and they were tyrannical, and they just. Constant war, con- everyone's a slave to the Dread Kings, and they are always fighting each other in this world. And it was during this ancient, ancient time that the Magna Gi intervened. And the Magna Gi are a group of the original spirits, the Et Ada, who from them, from the Et Ada, became the Aedra, the Daedra, everything. Ah. Uh, so, so the Magna Gi followed Magnus into Aetherius. Uh, but that's not what's important here. What's important here is they... Uh, crafted Maroon's the Razor, which is so cool. Like, that was his name, not just his artifact, but that's who he was made to be. Ah. And, of course, you're reading this from this cultist perspective. So, like, Maroon's was created to be hope, to be change, to be revolution. Um, and that's why they created him, was to basically lead the overthrow of the Dread Kings. Maroon's breaker of chains. Exactly. So, I, And that's that's a good point of chaos as a whole like a lot of times the chaos deities are perceived to be these evil beings but what is existence without change yeah they need change to survive exactly it's this necessary part and um you know maybe you could call it necessary evil but like chaos without um chaos you don't have change you just have this order and the order could be terrible it could be a bunch of tyrannical crab kings (laughs) <laughs> could be time for a new order bust out the butter boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, the razors were obviously just like the crab crackers <laughs> uh, so he you know with his creation became the violent overthrow of the drink kings and they created him in the bowels of a league they say and this is sort of like parallel uh I want to say it's still Mundus, but it's sort of this parallel world to Nern and um, where things happen. Like, it's not, this might have happened in Mundus, but I don't think it was on our world necessarily or on Nern. So, I just want to get a lore thing like clarified because maybe I don't 100% know. So, what I know about the Magna Gi and Magnus as a whole is in Skyrim, of course, we have the Eye of Magnus, which is a very powerful staff that is not very powerful in game. It's pretty useless. <laughs> But For everything they, they make it out to be, it's like it's it's like this is this is not that great of a weapon. I'm not I gonna craft use it that a better one. Exactly. <laughs> so the Magna Gi are the the sun and the stars, correct? Yes. Uh, so be before they became the sun and the stars, they were creating the Aedra and the Daedra. They're like on the same level as the Aedra and the Daedra. So the original spirits, the Et Aedas, uh, they became the ones who gave up their powers their being to form the world after being tricked by Lorcan. They're Those, the earth bones, right? That's, yeah, they that's basically gave up their forms to make that. And those are the, like, basically powerless Aedra. Um, the ones we the, worship, like Xenathar and Akathosh, Juliana. Uh, I mean, some yes. people worship the Aedra, right? Some, some people yeah. worship the Daedra. <laughs> and that's fair. That's, that's fair. And the Daedra were the Aeda who were like, well, some of them, and some of them were created in different ways, but a lot of them came from, we don't want to do that. That's a, <laughs> that's a bad deal. As That's fair on their part. 
I just came into this existence. I, I'm not ready to die to create something for some beings I don't know even exist yet. Why? Why would I do that? <laughs> so they became the Daedra, and the Ed Ada kind of thought similar to the Daedra in that I don't want to give up my existence, my power, my body for this. Um, or the those Ed Ada who decided that followed Magnus, who was the one who was like, "Let's not do this." Um, so they became the Magna Gi following Magnus, and exactly, Magnus became the sun, and they became the stars. Mm. Which are beautiful. That that was one of the biggest parts of Skyrim for me. That was really that, that's really nice mythology. Just looking up at that, yeah. <laughs> that's the Mage Quest line, right? Mage's Guild. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. the Eye of Magnus or Staff of Magnus. Wait, like so the... who's the Moon? The Moon is important, right? Joan and Joan. Joan and Joan. Oh, now you're <laughs> to the mythology. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's another episode. Okay, keep yeah. going. Keep going. <laughs> um, but these Magna Gi were the ones who basically created. Uh, Meredith Sagan in this way, and that is where he he was brought into the world as this agent of change and destruction and revolution. So, in all honesty, Meredith Dagon would have been useless if he did give up his life. Yeah, um, so he wouldn't have been able to change anything because he would have created the world, and then he would have been gone. And that's sort of what happened, right? He showed up and he was like, I'm going to throw off the chain. I'm going to create change. And they're like, you did it. You created change. And he's (laughs) like, you're constantly changing. I'm going to keep creating change. They're like, no, (laughs) no. Stop. We like the change. Stop changing again. No, change. (laughs) Yeah, that's him. And uh, so... He's gone, you know, he, and then he's back into his realm of oblivion. Because they were like, we made a mistake. Send him back. Send him too back. Too much change. Too much change. Too much change too fast. He's going to keep coming back, though, because he's like, I was built for change. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Things exactly. have been too same for too long. Done. And so there you have in the games, like, the so many times Meryn's Dagon invades. That's why he's like part of like all the games is he is an he is an agent of change, right? That's what we're saying. So like he his invasions kick off a lot of events. He's the main guy in Oblivion for sure. Mm-hmm. He he's not super big in Skyrim. In Elder Scrolls Online, is he the first guy that you really interact with? Molag Ball is the main question. Oh, line. is it Molag Ball? Okay. Molag Ball. But Aaron Stegon did show up recently. Yeah, Baron's Dagon is the latest chapter. Um, Before High Isle comes out. Yeah. Yeah, the latest one to come out is Blackwood, and that is a Maroon's Dagon invasion again. And he's also in... God, I, I don't know if he's in Arena, like the very first Elder Scrolls game, but I know he's in Battlespire, which is like the second or third. And I'll be honest, I've played Arena, but the story is not there. <laughs> so if he was there, I was like... All right, so in the third era, and this is really sort of where some of the games take place, uh, Merizagod keeps coming back. He won't stop coming back in the time real. He won't stop trying to make change. Yeah. He, he loves chaos, and he hates the Septim Emperors. They are just too orderly. Uh, so, Can I curse? What? Can I curse? Probably I, it's our podcast. Fuck I'm up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we swore in the last one. I feel like. I'm pretty sure we've been cursing. Okay, I, I don't know. It's, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't even remember when we do. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, Merozagon is all just like, man, fuck Tamriel right now. Let's let's get in there. Uh, so he makes a deal with his Imperial Battle Mage in 389. And this kicks off the whole events of the game Battlespire. Mm-hmm. Where basically, uh, Imperial Battle Mage, Jaegar, Jaegar, I like to think Jaegar, uh, Jaegar Tharn uh, replaces the Emperor uh, thanks to a deal he made with Merenzagon and this kicks off this whole 10-year Imperial Simulcrum, and Merenzagon, uh it culminates in an invasion of the Imperial Battlespire, this crazy floating citadel where all battle mages go to train. It's a cool, like, location. Like, it's a floating island where it's, like, floating Kung Fu Island, right? <laughs> it's like... That, um... That's... So, the original writer of, I think, Oblivion... He left before Skyrim and he kept writing stories in that world. And there's like a floating story that involves like the Hist and Black Marsh for that same reason. We need more of those. We need more of those. Floating cities are cool as fuck. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? Um, I bet you there is connection in the latest chapter of uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I mean, we haven't played it yet, but it's in Argonian lands and it is an oblivion invasion. Like there's got to be some tie in with the history. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your hero, uh, Apprentice Battle Mage, is able to defeat Mervyn's Dagon and basically kick him out, and also the tower gets destroyed. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Can you Dagon. imagine how embarrassing that is for for a Daedric Lord to lose <laughs> to a Battle Mage student? An intern student. <laughs> my God, I bet they're like a C student too. <laughs> no, they're an intern. They're an unpaid intern. <laughs> So that is how Merozegon is defeated in 399 after 10 years of this whole mess with Ember uh, Euro Septum being replaced by the battle mage Yeager Thorn. This is the second era, right? This third? is in the third era. So third. less than 40 years later, Merun's Dagon is back at it again. He's like, uh, that was embarrassing. <laughs> we are doing this again. I cannot let the people who lived through this <laughs> no, I can do better. You can see, <laughs> and that's what he does. He uh, probably his largest invasion of Tamriel, uh, certainly in many eras, um, kicked off in third era, four thirty three, with the same emperor who had been replaced and put in the realm of oblivion and managed to free him, get freed, uh, Emperor Uriel Septim the Seventh. He was assassinated by the Mythic Dawn cult. And this was a cult. Yeah, Merun Sagan's cult. Yeah, they were a cult uh, that worshipped Merun Sagan, and they were led by Mankar Cameron, who made a deal with Merun Sagan to create his own paradise. Like, Cameron was a worshiper, cult leader who wanted to create a paradise in Dagon's image, and um, his own paradise. Also, hypothesized to be dragonborn. Ooh. Yeah. That's why he liked all the fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because. Um, because Cameron was also, when I was looking through, descended from Cameron Usurper, like his son, who had tried to take over the Empire at some point, and they were all descended from previ- a previous Imperial dynasty, like back in the first era. Wow. Old. They really hold on to that grudge, because yeah. eras are not short in Elder, no, but Elder, Elder Scrolls. Elsa for freaking ever, because the <laughs> his... <true>. Uh, <laughs> This was like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. His father tried to take over. It was like, 
that was a long time ago. I was like, that was my dad. Yeah. I was the elf equivalent of five. I remember. I was alive. <laughs> I don't wonder why they're so mad about the the, the Nords taking over it. Yeah, they're what, like, what is what is that rune at the north side that you explore? Oh, oh, not no, Sarthal. So it is Sarthal, a hundred percent. Yeah, Isgrimor <laughs> takes over Sarthal with his yeah. two sons. And those elves did not forget. They were ready. <laughs> Some of them are still alive from then. And they're like, that's I remember. <laughs> they were racist and we did not forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, elves never forget and they never forgive. And they also never, never stop being racist themselves. <laughs> For real. Even amongst themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, oh, yeah. How quickly Styles. they abandoned the Falmer to just be, you know, Creatures, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or just how racist are the Dunmer? How bad were they to the Chimer? How all of them? All, they're just. Do we have any Chimer left? Do they pop up in Elder Scroll Online? There's got to be like one. Oh no, maybe it's. Um, Wait, didn't the Chimer become? Maybe Dwemer pop up. Maybe there's one Dwemer that pops up. Uh, there is. There is Dwemer at least at some point in. There's no Dwemer that we know. Games. Um, there's just an like Aelid. A single one. There's an Aelid. There's so many different elves. Um, and they're all racist against each other. They but that's... all hate each other. Like, how do you succeed as a species? It's like it's like real life. It's like a... It's like, it's like Imperials <laughs> hating Red Guards. Nords hating Imperials. Yikes. Um, but that makes a real... That makes a realistic world. Yep. A lot more tension. And the elves are like, for, like they fear Mayrun's Dagon, but they also worship him, right? Especially the dark elves, right? Um, depends. The dark elves mostly worship the tribunal because the tribunal is like the Daedra are bitches. We're real living gods, yeah. um, and they're all dark elves. Also fair, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with their history, it's fair. Yeah, you get into a, a whole nother episode with like Vivek being an avatar. Of such and such, the triad are cool. Yeah. So the the Alm CV and they they fight Merwin Stegon at different points. Like, yeah. there's a whole thing there. Um, but in Oblivion, in 433, uh, the Mythodon cultists kill the Emperor, all his sons, and they steal the Amulet of Kings, which the Septim Emperors use to light dragon fires to to block Merwin Stegon specifically from coming in to Nern, like. Fuck you in particular. <laughs> magically in these towers. Yeah, it is a magical fuck you barrier to Merun's Dagon. And um, in that, as soon as the Emperor and his line are dead, the dragon fires go out, and now there's nothing stopping Merun's Dagon from invading Sir. Merun's Dagon is doing that meme where he's like... <laughs> he's <laughs> the tree after the, yeah. after the murder. He's like... Just waiting. Uh, Your septums <laughs> can't last forever. Yeah, the dragon fires are extinguished. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. And so as soon as the Emperor's dead, starts with an assault on the city of Kavach. Why specifically there? Not entirely sure, but um, Rookie mistake, to be yeah, honest. To be honest, <laughs> they, he picked a straight for the uh, Imperial Tower. Um, the Imperial City. But in the city of Kavach. Uh, there is a temple priest who is also the illegitimate son of Emperor Uriel Septim, Martin Septim. 
I, I don't know if like he had the last name Septim before you meet him and tell him. Yeah, but he still has the first name uh, Martin. 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 Just such, Martin. <laughs> such a normal name. It's Septim you, later. The yeah. money's named after you, bud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His name is Martin Money. It's like Paul, son of Jessica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From Doom. Our hero. <laughs> Last name, Atreides. Super cool. First name, Paul. <laughs> so anyway, Martin Septim. Martin Septim is uh, in the city of Kavach, and together with the hero of Kavach, who is there when the Emperor is assassinated, basically tasked to go find you know, As a prisoner. He's not the hero then. You're in jail. <laughs> the prisoner in the right cell at the right time. So here, here's here's what I always wondered about the game is Martin is the illegitimate son. But how many people know he's the illegitimate son where they're like, we got to save this kid. We got to uh, get him out of this prison. At least according <laughs> to the game, two. It's, oh, it's, two. Basically, Which is enough to get him saved. Yeah, right. It's the right to. Good thing his dad was not faithful. <laughs> yeah. he And this was a backup plan. Uriel Septim was a good guy. He was like a Ned Stark. This is really just a backup plan. <laughs> this is, I guess. <laughs> this is, if all they all know who the three sons are, they'll probably kill him too. Yep. They don't know about this guy. But Grandmaster of the Blades, the Emperor's bodyguards... Joffrey knows about Martin Septim, and he's really the one that sends the hero. Joffrey? Yeah, Joffrey. That has to be a reference. Does Martin uh, play Elder Scrolls? You George know. George R. Martin? <laughs> oh my god. For a minute, I... That is not a common name. It wasn't they're both big Chaucer fans. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, Joffrey sends the hero um, to save Martin, and the only way he can save Martin is to save the city of Kavach, which they do. And once once they he becomes a hero of Kavach, they save this place that sounds like Crotch. Uh, I was thinking Baron's it. Dagon, yeah, everyone was. Everyone was. <laughs> Baron's Dagon's like, alright, fuck it, I'm invading the whole country now. <laughs> and just opens up gates everywhere. And so it's up to the hero and Martin and the Blades to come together to find Mankar Cameron retrieve the Amulet of Kings, and relight the dragon fires. And they go through, they gather these artifacts, like a great Welkin stone, uh, the armor of Tiber Septim, who becomes the Aedra of Talos. Uh, also speaking of Ysgrimir and different mythologies in there. Um, uh, they get a Daedric artifact, usually Azura's star. So that's cool, too, because like, she's not necessarily... Comes up again the... in Skyrim, yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's not that evil. She's my yeah, Daedra. She's one of the good ones. Yeah. She's one of the good ones. Um, so, you know, she probably, she probably would have been up for like, nah, forget Mehrun's Dagon's plot. Here's my star. (laughs) Um, and then they get a great sigil stone. So they do this in the Battle of Bruma, which is this, one of the cities in the North. And it's this mega invasion gate that happens. So, um, the blades, uh, Martin Septim leads the battle, uh, all the cities, all the armies like gather around this for this epic fight. Um, and once they get this last piece uh, with Martin's help, they're able to use these four items that they gather together to unlock the keys to Cameron's paradise where the hero goes and he jumps in uh, to Gaia, Lada, Menkar Cameron's paradise kills him and takes the enemy of Kings so that Martin can finally relight the dragon fires and kick Martin to stay on out. 
Wasn't really paradise then, huh? Yeah, like Martin, <laughs> if you wanted to live in paradise, which was not a good paradise, there was fire everywhere. Lava and torture for everyone who wasn't Mankar Cameron. Most paradises is paradise for this one guy. A bit masochistic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of torture. It's a dystopia. Um, but it's okay, because you, you kill him and like paradise collapses. He is the the like sigil anchor of paradise. Um, so you take back the Amulet of Kings because you're the hero. And with Martin's help, you go to the Imperial City. You're like, we're going to light the dragon fires. And it's too late. Maroon's Dagon had invaded. And the whole, the big red forearm bastard is here himself too. Yeah, he, he comes. Has, you got to fight that guy. Yeah. But are you alone? No. So you, <laughs> thank God you're fighting your way through the city. And you see this guy. He's massive. He's, you, you're, he could step on you. Like, yep. and not even notice. Uh, but you reach the Temple of the One, the Temple of Akatosh, where Martin has to go to light the fires, and it's just too late. And Martin, he's with his magical powers, knows what to do. He he smashes the Amulet of Kings, sacrifices himself, and becomes an avatar of Akatosh. The Dragon Adra. I gotta say, uh, I find it a bit offensive that you're saying Akatosh, as I follow Ariel. Uh, <laughs> So we have enough. We've got high elves in our <laughs> This is the Septum's history. <laughs> uh, so he becomes this giant dragon to fight, and he's like this flaming phoenix-looking dragon that um, goes one-on-one with uh, Maroon's Dagon, and they're slashing, and he just like blasts him in fire until he pushes Maroon's Dagon just out of our existence and back into the Deadlands, back into Oblivion. It's, it's Oblivion Blitz. It's, it's Oblivion Blitz. And you as the hero get to watch. Yeah, you get to watch. You're, just... <laughs> You're like, I did that. I helped. <laughs> I was I here. Helped. I was present. I will document. They'll remember. I, I, I was witness. <laughs> right. I'm Martin... still the hero of Kvetch. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the savior of Bruma by now. But Martin is definitely just like blasting fire and like witness me and and we are witnessing. <laughs> <laughs> Arin sacrifices himself and he's dead. Yeah, and that's the end of the end of the Septum line and that's also the end of the Oblivion crisis though. That And with, like the third era, right? Yeah, so who takes over? It goes to shit. Um the high <laughs> chancellor uh Okado who he's a he's a decent guy. I mean, he doesn't provide much help through, through the story, but he's not a bad guy. Um, he basically takes over for the the empire. He's like the steward or like the um, you know the regent. Yep, you've got nobody else. You know, you've got no one. He's he's the high chancellor. He's a, he's the prime minister, and uh, he takes over and he basically declares, "Well, the crisis is over, and so is the third era." And you go into the fourth era, and things go to shit real quick. And that's Skyrim. <laughs> yep. Hey. So there's there's still a septum in charge in Skyrim though, isn't there? Because you can assassinate him in the um, the. So what happens? Brotherhood, yeah. Is uh, that it's not a septum, but he is an emperor. Uh, what happens is High Chancellor Okado never makes himself emperor because well, basically everyone fights against it. Nobody yeah, likes he'd that be idea. overthrown pretty quick. Yeah, he gets assassinated pretty quick anyway. Um, after about 14 years of this, he gets killed, and what happens is called the, I want to say it's like the Storm Crown Interregnum, and 
there's just a whole it, it's a whole civil war for power and this would be a really cool time period for a game in oh yeah, oh, yeah for sure that power vacuum right there exactly Ooh. there's a power vacuum there's warlords elder scrolls six we called it first no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be in high rock it's in between yeah uh, it's in between Oblivion and Skyrim. Take that for new content. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he gets assassinated, and at this point, it's battling for the for the crown. And at some point, Titus Mead the first, I think, um, definitely lost here in the notes. And now, just going off of what I know, yeah, uh, is the one who's able to take over, and he actually defeats the the Thalmor and the Dark and the High Elves really kind of come to power at this time period. Okay, so Titus Mead, is that where Talos comes up, who's also a big mythology reference? Uh, Talos is Tiber Septim. He's the ancestor to Martin Septim and the founder of right, the right, Septim right, right. dynasty. So, so Titus Mead... Why do is, we care about Titus Mead? We Just don't. because he won? Uh, <laughs> okay. Because he's the emperor, and if you're in the Dark Brotherhood, you kill him. He didn't yeah, really he, care. Yeah, because it's like Titus Mead, the third or the fourth that you kill in that quest or something I believe, like that. I believe yeah. it's the second but I don't think it's like a linear. I think Titus Mead has sons and like the, the one who finally gets named the second is the one who's emperor at this time. And there's chaos because this is about 200 years after Oblivion and that's where Skyrim basically picks up is the elves have really beat up the empire and Titus Mead the second was the first emperor to actually fight back but he didn't defeat the elves so now you have this whole thalmor problem yeah he he tried to go the you know the i'll work with you yeah Yeah. appeasement is a good word peace in our time yeah that's also why mayroon's day gone isn't such a big character in skyrim because he's licking his wounds from the oblivion crisis and also the game developers were like we already gave him a game someone else's turn now it's time to go for akatosh he was really important you know we're gonna we're going to make his first son a villain now. Mm-hmm. That'll be intriguing. From Dagon to Dragon. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. That was Merun's Dagon's biggest invasion. I mean, that was his game. That was mm-hmm. all of he it. He had every opportunity and lost it to a bird. One hundred percent. And again, like, you know, the hero of Kavach, you mean a prisoner. He just lost um, time and time again, he is thwarted, and that is that is also the story of Miron Stegon, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever succeed. Yeah, because if he succeeds, what is he going to do? It's like his ambition is part of it. So you know he he wants to keep trying because if he actually succeeds, what's next? Right, the world is destroyed. Every- uh, well, if we look at mythology, if he succeeds, he's the one that gives birth to Jesus. <laughs> a new image <laughs> a new world a, a fifth era <laughs> yeah maybe maybe that might be the next game i cannot wait for elder scrolls 6 oh, the amount of time really? i've put into five is a bit ridiculous it's like that's why they keep releasing it it's like it's the shameful. perfect game <laughs> i've gotta be over two thousand hours oh. and granted the game is 10 years old there's a lot of time it's it's so beautiful though it's, it is. It's a yeah, good for story. me. It's, it's a ten. It's a perfect game. Yeah, like we said before, like there's so much mythology in Elder Scrolls, so we definitely want to dive into some of the other Daedra. Um, even Mayrun Sagan has some like invasions that we didn't even cover. 
Oh my right. God, there were stories that tie into Vivek and uh, Sothasil and Amalexia uh, and the Tribunal. There's a whole invasion and he destroys cities and does all sorts of stuff there. We didn't even touch. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I'll be in know. the Tribunal episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could definitely, oh, especially with oh. Morrowind story yeah. lined up in there. Oh, I love that. Vivek has so much that they're inspired by. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the the warrior poet. That's good mythology. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us and I uh, hope you have a fantastic day. And also thank you to our guest Narls for joining yeah. us. You know. yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've loved hanging out with everyone. It's been so much fun. We and, definitely uh, want to collaborate in the future again. This oh, was yeah, a lot of 100%. fun. For sure. Check him out on TikTok. Check out the, the modern mythology stories. Check out Nara. Check out us on TikTok. We'll be there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to join. It's so much fun. We're noobs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be absolute noobs. As you'll see in these videos, we're not looking at you. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening and uh, watching. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.